Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. It's the beginning of our April series, which is called Tenure, or if it's the end of our March series, uh, which was called Rest in, Pe Rest in Peace. But it's fitting because Easter uh, is the end of one era, and it's the beginning of another. Everything that happened before Easter is over, and it's the beginning of a whole bunch of uh, new and exciting things after Easter. The title of the message this morning is called String Theory. String theory. So you didn't just watch that video for no reason. <laughs> so this picture that we have of, of string theory for our series has been coming up over and over again throughout uh, our March series. In the video, there were some important things that the guy said. He said that we're looking for a higher theory. He said that before the Big Bang and before Genesis, something had to exist. He talked about time. He talked about time machines. He said the laws of physics are a death warrant to all intelligent life. He says that the only way to escape that death is to leave the universe. And then he says the only hope is that there's a place for us to start all over again. These are the scientists that humanity has put their hope into. <laughs> Usually they don't tell us the whole story. Usually they leave a few things out, but this particular guy says, listen, it's all gonna end in death. And if we don't escape this place, that's what we can all look forward to. This morning when it comes to string theory, we're gonna let God give us his version of the story. I believe that he's gonna give us facts where the scientists only have theories. And I believe that he's gonna give us hope where the scientists only have fairy tales like Alice in Wonderland. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that of all days that we find ourselves in your house, in your place this morning, reminded of who you are and what you've done, Lord God. You've made a way where there was no way. I ask that you would open the hearts and the minds of your people here in this place today, Lord. Those that know you, that we would enter into a deeper relationship with you this morning. And those that don't know you, that they would find you, that they would hear your voice, Lord God. That you would change their very hearts and their minds in this time this morning. We came to give you praise. We came to give you honor. We came to give you glory. You are the focus of our attention. You are the center. Have your way this morning. Don't let us leave out of this place the same way that we came in. We believe that you have answers for us, Lord, and we came seeking. You say that we have not because we ask not. You say that if we seek you, we will find you, Lord. We stand upon your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So string theory. The Bible is one story 
written by over 40 spirit-filled authors. It's written over a period of about 1,500 years by kings and fishermen, by doctors, and by shepherds. It's actually a miracle that it's all held together without a single contradiction, without ever being disproven, that the facts that continue to come out as we get more and more intelligent and have scientists like the one we saw never disproves anything that the Bible says. It actually uh, says that archaeology and different things confirm what the Bible says. The names and the places, the locations and the people continue to be confirmed. It's only possible if it's written by God and it's written for us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That may be a, a hard pill to swallow for some people, but again, when it just over and over turns out to be true and turns out to be confirmed, we can stand on scripture like that. It doesn't matter what chapter or verse that you open this book to, there is a thread, there is a string that always leads you to the cross. I want to show you guys what that looks like this morning. <clears throat> I came bearing gifts. So I've got silver for anybody who wants it this morning. Anybody want some silver? Yeah. Don't front like, you. hey, let somebody ask you that outside. Yeah, I want some silver. Who's got money? <laughs> You're in church trying to be all civilized right now. Oh, I don't want silver. This sounds like a setup. <laughs> so I've got some silver for you. I'm going to need RJ and Andrew to, to help me out real quick. So I'm going to give you guys some silver. And... Uh, but I want to spread it out. They're in no particular order. So raise your hand if you want some silver. All right. Say, look, give this one to Isaac back there. Look, let me mix them up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give it to him. Let me mix them up so you guys know that it's in no particular order here. Here you go, Andrew. Let's hit uh, Soleil back there. I'm going to come on down. Hopefully I don't, uh... let's see here. I got you, RJ. Here you go, Devin. Here you go. Anybody else want some silver? I know you guys were on that Powerball or that Mega Millions not too long ago, though, huh? These were lotto tickets. Everybody be like, let me get one. Let me get one. Here you go. All right. You want one, man? There you go. I got to come across. I got to go this way. Here you go. Hold me. Get you one, girl. There you go. Get you some silver. Here you go. It might look like Home Depot washers, but it's not. <laughs> That's silver. <laughs> All right. So this idea of, of the Bible, one book headed in one, one direction. So who's got Genesis? If you got Genesis, stand up. That's Olay over there. Go ahead, stand up. Go ahead, Isaiah. Who's got Exodus? There you go, Devin, Devin over here. Isaiah, you see him over there? Go ahead, get across there. Who's got judges? That's you. Go ahead. We'll get Devin first. Let's, let's stay in some kind of order. Who's got Psalms? Go ahead and stand up, sir. Hold on to those tight. We're, we're pulling string here. Who's got Proverbs? Coming over here to Dante. Who's got Ezekiel? Right up here in the front. We're putting Isaiah to work right now. Look at that. <laughs> so we're at Ezekiel. That's you, RJ, right here behind you. Uh-oh. 
we're, lo we're losing string. All right, so we got to uh, Proverbs and Ezekiel. What do you got, RJ? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. There you go. Loosen up. Some of y'all holding on tight. Look at you. <laughs> Who's got John? Uh-oh. Oh, look at you, Megan. Trying to, you already tried to pocket the silver, girl. Isaiah, yeah, go, go through to her row over there. There you go. So that was John. Who's got uh, Romans? Back there. Right behind you. All right. And then the last two after Romans right there. Who's got Hebrews? Go ahead, Joe. And does anybody have Revelation? <laughs> Isaac in the back. All right, this way, this way, this way right here. Joe's right there. And then we're going to the back. Amen. Isaac's behind you. Hold on tight. We're almost there. Uh, it's all right. Don't let go of it. Grab that thing again. Grab that thing again. Not the string, y'all. The ring. Not the string, the ring. Let that, let that loose. Let it come out so they can get some of that. All right, to the back. Isaac, why don't you come up here in the front, right in front of Joe. Let, let Isaac come up. Stand right in front of Joe right there. Let's go through that. Choke him with the string. All right. You can bring it up here to me. We need some extra string. Let that loose. Hold on to your rings, everybody. Thank you, sir. <laughs> let it through, let it through, let it through. Sure. That was a lot easier in my mind. <laughs> that's, that's what the Lord says about us, too, though. Don't worry about it. That was a lot easier in my mind. I'm just going to fix them real quick. All right. So now here's what I need you guys to do. On, on top of those who who have st stood up already that have these rings. You guys, don't let go of those rings yet, but everybody go ahead and stand up. All right. Got a knot. All right. So watch this. Initially, the books of the Bible, they seem to be telling different stories. And as you can see right now, they're all over the place and they're affecting all of us in, in a different way, right? Some of us are being touched by this string. A lot of us, maybe we're not being touched, but we're pretty close. If you're in the building right now, you're pretty close to one of these strings. It's, it's within arm's reach of you right now at this moment. But watch this. If you don't have a ring, go ahead and sit back down. Those that have a ring, hold on to yours. This is what happens when you begin to focus less on yourself and how the word of God is touching you or affecting you and what it really means. So here's what I want you guys to do. You guys can let go of your rings. You can sit down, but we're going we're gonna to help. Go ahead. Let go of your rings. You can just drop them. And now the rest of you, help us get this string back to the middle row real quick. You guys go ahead and sit down. If you're anywhere next to a string, go ahead and grab it. Don't be afraid to reach out. Let's see what happens here. We're coming to the middle. There we go. There we go. 
take up that slack. Isaiah, grab the rest of that slack for us. We're getting there. Got to help, help out a little bit with the word. No, no bystanders. All right, you can stay on that side of the pool if it stays on that side. It's okay. I like it like that. So Mary, go ahead and take up all that slack. Stay right there in the back, though, Mary. Take up all that slack. That's good, guys. The rest of you guys can go ahead and sit down. Take up all that slack, all that slack. Pull it back. So we're almost there. Come on with it. Pull that thing. You can go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. I'm going to hit somebody with a ring in a second. So as they're working on it, mess it up on my end. Thanks, Jared. So here's what we begin to see. I think. Yeah, just bring that to me. That's all right. Come around that pole. Thank you, thank you. Isaiah, yeah, just dip that around the pole. There you go. Just hold it back there. That's fine. Isaiah wants to tie you up. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Just hold it right there. So it's got a couple knots in it down there somewhere. But here's the point. What started off as this crazy, there's a book here and a book there, and who knows what this means, and this one touches me and that one doesn't touch me. Eventually, when we get out of the way, you end up with this straight line where they're all connected, when you aren't the focus, but the word itself is the focus, and then it leads you somewhere. If you let it lead you. It leads you to this place called the cross. No matter where you start, no matter how long you've been reading, no matter what book you picked up at, here, I'll take it from you. No matter if your journey looks like this, all jacked up and crazy. <laughs> Thanks, Isaiah, let me have that. If you'll get into this thing, no matter where you start, no matter what you look at, you'll always end up being led to the cross. A lot of people take the word of God and they try to apply it to their life to get the blessing they want in that season, to get the word they want in that season, to use it like a weapon and shoot it out at people via text message and via Facebook. <laughs> But I have a, a gift for you guys. Matter of fact, Inez and, and uh, Connie, can you grab that one right there, that box? I don't know, maybe she's gone. Thank you, Vanessa. We're gonna pass these out to you guys for string theory today. When you get it, you can open. Just throw them at people, they're all the same, no special gifts. Don't look for the one with your name on it. <laughs> You can open it when you get it. So this is a, 
a reminder for you about the word of God when you leave this place and about where it's going to lead you if you let it. And right now, yours doesn't even have any knots in it. So back to this March series that we had. It was called Rest in Peace. Picture will be up there for you guys. And we talked about a few things. We talked about resting in peace. Sounds like a morbid series, but we talked about dying poor. We talked about signing a death certificate. We talked about making funeral arrangements. And this theme was that we have to lay our lives down if we're going to take up eternal life. This morning that, as we look at our Easter message, we're reminded that the cross is what makes any of that possible. You come into church and we say, you've got to die to your old life. You've got to let go of everything that you used to be and everywhere you used to go. But if there's no cross, it doesn't matter if you die to your old life. You'll just be dead. It's the cross that makes Christians more than fanatics. Let me say that again. It's the cross that makes Christians more than just fanatics. There's a bunch of fanatics out there that believe in all kinds of stuff. We're the only ones that have the cross as the center, as the point. No matter where we come from or what we've been through, we're all headed to the cross. It separates us from all other religions throughout all of time. It's the cross. There's only one God who comes to his creation. There's only one God who dies for his creation. Not only to save us from judgment, but to take our judgment upon himself. There's no other God like that. There's no other faith like that. There's no other religion like that. It's only the cross, and it's only Christians. We are not one of multiple faiths. There's only one. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, God says to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. He's the God that's with us. Somebody say amen. amen. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus, talking to a multitude of people, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't have an external God, we have an internal God. We have a God that's with us, that goes with us, that takes our burdens from us if we'll lay them down. Every message in this Rest in Peace series was leading us to the cross. For a month now, we've been trying to get to the cross. We started in all these different areas, and we're trying to get to the cross, trying to get to Easter. This morning, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 53, and you're going to see some of the most amazing string theory in all of the Bible. Before we get there, though, I want to touch on where we've been this last month. In the dying poor message... We saw Philip with an Ethiopian eunuch. This man gets baptized. And the scripture that brings these two together is Isaiah chapter 53. This is from Acts 8.27. It says, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I unless somebody guides me? He asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, 
Who does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So this man is searching for God. He's looking for God, trying to figure out who the prophet's writing about or who he's talking about, and he's reading Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, when Philip comes along to help him. That was from our first week of this series. Our second week, we looked at the death certificate. Jesus raised a bunch of people from the dead. Somebody say amen. amen. When you read the scriptures, that, that line to the cross, on his way to the cross, he raised people who were dead. He raised them back to life. One of them was Lazarus. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus comes straight out and tells everyone, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he'll live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He told them, this is who I am. I'm the resurrection. I'm not just your friend. I'm not just your healer. I'm the resurrection. Then it says in John eleven thirty five 35, that Jesus wept. Jesus wept because death stole from and lied to the people that he loved so much. He's crying because people are dying and the people who, who are losing loved ones are, are weeping. They're mourning. In the last month, before we even started that series, uh, we had a good friend of ours lose his, lose his wife who was in a coma for about a month. Then while she was in the coma, her sister died. Then while, while she was in a coma, her, his father went into the hospital and he just died last week of cancer. It was like just death after death after death and I could see Jesus weeping for the effect that it had, just like in the, the story of Lazarus. But Isaiah 53 says, Jesus was a man of many sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his stripes we are healed. It's the same thing that's going on in the story with Lazarus, the same thing that's going on with the story of my friend last week. He weeps for us, but by his stripes we're healed. Our last message of the series was called Funeral Arrangements. And in that story, Stephen, a man of God, a disciple, a follower of Christ, he gets stoned to death. And as he's dying, he quotes the same words that Jesus said when he was on the cross. This is Acts 7, 55. Speaking of Caesar, it says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. He was saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. On the cross, Jesus says the same thing. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I love when our kids do, do plays. They always try to practice around me. I say, it's like when I see previews. Thank you, Mary, for telling everybody I wanted to see Tomb Raider today. <laughs> but I love the movie. So when there's something coming out that I want to see, I won't watch the preview. Because I don't want to see the preview. I want to see the real thing. However, these kids that got up here right now, it was like a preview for the message. My son, man, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I love all the kids, but he's mine. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't make him play the role of Jesus. Somebody else did that, his children's church director. But he's saying the same thing. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to charge you with your sin. I've already paid for it. Jesus says the same thing here in the scriptures. There's Lazarus. He's saying, don't charge him with the sin. 
forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So all of these strings have been running, whether we knew it or not, to Isaiah chapter 53 and to the message that I have for you guys this morning. All these different things in your life have been leading to Isaiah 53. Everything that's happened in your life has been leading to the cross. We think that it's some other story. We think that it's some special story that only we're involved in. But God loves you and he's trying to lead you somewhere. So why don't we read it together? Isaiah chapter 53, starting at verse 1, says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. He poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for transgressors. That's Isaiah chapter 53. Who's that talking about? Amen. <laughs> so what if I told you that it was written 700 years before Jesus was born? 700 years before he even came to the planet. So let's look at the string theory. <laughs> This picture is from the video of a, worm, of a wormhole. Remember he said you got these two points, you fold the paper in half, can you put that up first, Ray? That's the one. You got this wormhole. When this is written about Jesus, it's talking about something that's gonna happen in the future. Picture that folded back out, and way back at the first dot, 700 years later, this is supposed to happen. This is a Jewish prophet named Isaiah, and he's saying this is the truth about the one who's going to come, and he's going to save us. He's going to heal us, right? But here's the other side of it. The people who are going to be saying Isaiah chapter 53, it, is, it hasn't happened today. 2018, it still hasn't happened yet. It's for the Jews. This is a confession that they're going to make when the whole nation of Israel says we believe in Jesus. 
It's going to be their confession. It's not our confession as Christians, non-Jews. So picture this scene here, this wormhole. Isaiah is talking about it 700 years in the future, or in the past, and it's still out in the future when it's really going to take place. They're going to look back, and these are the words they're going to say. Let me, let me share them with you again, briefly, from Isaiah 53. Verse 2 said, picture this, not you, these Jews, someday in the future. It says, when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus came and they didn't say, that looks like the Messiah, that looks like our Savior. He's strong, he's strapping, he's handsome, that's the one we've been waiting for. He's like King David. Let's erect statues and marvel of him. When Jesus came, they said, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3 says, he's despised and rejected by men. Any of you ever been despised? Any of you ever been rejected? The Savior says that he was despised and he was rejected by men. Verse 3, I love this one. It says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You know what that means? This week it's happened to me several times and I think that this is why. If you see somebody who's burned, if you see somebody who's disfigured, if you see somebody who, who has something that really draws attention, you hide your face from them. It's not as if you feel like you're better than them necessarily, but it feels awkward. You feel like they think you're staring at them. Three times this week, I was in the store and I saw somebody completely burned on one side. Yesterday, somebody had a birthmark. It, 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 it uh, turned all of her hair white right here and then a white mark across her face. And literally, I turned my face so like I didn't want her to feel bad as if I was staring at her and her disfigurement. Listen to what the scripture says. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. What they're saying is not only did, was he not attractive to us, something was literally wrong with him in the way that we saw him. We hid our faces from him. Not that we would be offended or that he would be offended. This is Jesus we're talking about. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. They look back after denying him and crucifying him. One day, it might be today, it might be a year from now, it might be a hundred years from now, but they're going to look back and say, Surely he bore our grief and he carried our sorrows. Verse 4 also says, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That means that when they looked at Jesus, they said, he's being crucified because God is judging him and he deserves it. He's a heretic. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's trying to lead us away from God. They said, we thought he was being judged by God for being a heretic. They're going to look back and say that. Verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. One day they're going to look back and say, man, he was wounded and ch chastised for, for us. Everything that he went through was for me. If you've ever had somebody do something for you, like really do something for you, really lay themselves down for you, you'll never forget it. And sometimes it's too late to even thank them. I look back now at, at my personal life and all the things that people did at, at different times throughout my life, and it's humbling to have to look back and say, man, I can't believe you did that for me. Imagine this. The Savior came for them, and it says, <laughs> he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are, we are healed. They have to look back and say, everything he went through was for me. Verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We go astray. We go away from God. We don't honor him for who he is and what he's done. 
don't feel bad. That's where I've been. I'm sure that's where you've been. And that's where the children of Israel are still. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. One of my favorite scriptures in, in all the Bible because I can't help but defend myself. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you. Let somebody say a lie about you at work. Let a family member tell another family member that you said something you didn't say. You're getting on text message, Facebook. You're telling the whole world, I did not say that. I did not do that. And it says this, he's completely right, yet he opens not his mouth. He doesn't say a single word. He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't say, hey, by the way, I'm only doing this because I love them, but they're really the sinners and I'm sinless. He doesn't say anything. The best part about it is it says, as a, as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he opened not his mouth, he was silent. What that means is uh, a lamb or a sheep, the shearer is the one that's going to shave all their hair off, right? It's the shepherd. They love, they love each other. They have a loving relationship. It hurts to be shorn. It hurts to be shaved. But because they love each other and he's, they're used to him coming to them and shaving them, he's just quiet. Look, I know it's going to hurt. I know this isn't really what I want, but it's the best thing for me. If I don't get this off of me, right, I'm going to die. And it says that that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Like a lamb before its shearer, he knew that the one who loved him, who's the father, is the one leading him to the cross. So he doesn't have to open his mouth. He knows he's in good hands. In verse 8, it says, He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. Verse 9, They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence. He was going to be put onto the cross. After he stopped breathing, he was going to be thrown to the floor and then dumped in a mass grave full of other Jews that were being crucified at the time with the transgressors, with the, with the thieves and the liars and the murderers. That's where they made his grave. But it says when he actually died, he was with the rich. A rich man came, we know the story, and, and put him into his grave because God wouldn't allow that to happen to him. And the last one in verse 12, it said, he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sins of many. I'm not going to get too much into it, but when he cries out and he's broken, he's asking God, where are you? It's because my sins are being poured on him. He pours out his soul as my sins are poured onto him and as your sins are poured onto him. A lot of people have this perspective of Jesus as like our God, right? He died for the sins of many, but you have to look at it as he died for your sins. Everything that you've done, it wasn't just like a package deal. When he's on the cross, I always think about it this way. When he's on the cross, you know, you see the movies where you see his eyes and you see him weeping. He can see my whole life and everything I've ever done. And he says, for Vaughn. Yeah. He sees your whole life and everything you've done. And he says, for you, by name. Amen. So this confession hasn't been made yet by the Jewish people. But the question is, has this confession been made by you yet? Can you read through the lines of Isaiah 53 and say, those are my words. My chastisement was upon him. I turned my face from him. I didn't want to see him. When I didn't even know it, like a, like a lamb who's silent before his shear, he went to the cross for me and I didn't even know him. I, didn't even, I wasn't even grateful. They haven't made that confession yet. Have you made that confession? Can you read those words from your own heart? Jesus confirms string theory when he comes through this wormhole and he provides eternal life. Show the picture of the one, Ray, with the, with the man going through. This is stick figure Jesus. So listen, 
the confession that the Jews are going to make one day that they haven't made yet, at a particular point in time, Jesus comes through out of heaven. He comes into the world and he makes this possible for everybody that has already died before the wormhole opened, that died believing in him, and everybody that one day, today might be your day, 10 years from now might be your day if you make it that long. But everybody, he comes through in this one moment of time and he opens up this opportunity. That's string theory. This scientist theory of wormholes, it's only a reality in the cross. That's, where the, that's the truth of this wormhole. He came at one particular time and it affected everything in the past and it affects everything in the future. The other theory that these scientists have that matters the most is they talked about an alternate universe. They said everybody in this one's going to die. And if we don't have another universe to go through or to go into, uh, we're going to have a problem. These, these pictures of the circles, put those ones up, Raymond. They said, the only hope for us is if this world that we live in and this universe, hopefully there's another one out there and we'll crash into it or we'll find a wormhole and we can jump into that one. Because if we stay on this one, we're all going to die. <laughs> and so many people have faith in these people. It's crazy, isn't it? God says it a little differently. God says, I'm triune. I'm one God in three forms. I'm Father, I'm Son, and I'm Holy Spirit. He says, I'm both outside this world as the Father, but I'm inside this world as the Son. He says, I'm both outside you, right, as Jesus, but I'm also inside you as the Spirit. They just didn't get it quite right. <laughs> he says, you in this world are going to pass away, but I'll make the world new and I'll make you new. You don't need a wormhole to jump into some other universe. You need resurrection. Revelation 21.1, let's listen to the words of God. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he'll dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That's the hope that we all want, that he can make it new, that he can fix everything that's broken, that he can mend everything that's hurt, Everything that we've done that he can forgive, that we can start over. I don't want to be mended. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want band-aids. I don't want somebody to help me learn how to, how to behave better. I need it to be completely done away with and start new. And that's what God offers. What the scientists want is the same thing. They said, listen, we need a new universe to go to so we can start over. But God says, according to my word, not according to your thoughts. He says, I've provided it for you. Everything you desire, everything the greatest of scientists desire, he says, I've made a way for that. But my way, not your way. Here's the problem. How can Jesus do all that if he's dead? That future confession of the Jews, the confession that we make is that God came out of, out of heaven and he came into the world, into the earth, that he died and took our sins upon him. See, the, the scientist theory, it hinges on 
an alternate universe where we can live when this universe dies. God's plan hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus doesn't resurrect, none of this matters. We have Easter Sunday to come and celebrate the resurrection, but it's the most important thing that has ever happened. It doesn't matter that he was a good man and he died if he doesn't resurrect. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. He says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I don't know what you believe here in this place, but I believe that on that third day, he rose from the grave and then he walked around for 40 days on this planet talking to people with holes in his hands and holes in his feet. If you don't believe that, then you're still in your sins. It has to happen. Otherwise, he's just like every other good man that lived a good life and said good things and taught good things and treated people how he wanted to be treated. If he doesn't resurrect, none of this matters. Don't waste your time going to church. Don't waste your time reading this book. Don't waste your money giving into the kingdom so that that message can go forward. If he does not rise from the dead, nothing else matters. Go live however you want to live. Go do whatever you want to do. Do it with whoever you want to do it with. And do it as much as you want until you die. Because nothing matters. There's no new life for you. There's no new hope for you. There's nothing after this if he doesn't raise from the dead. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He goes on to say that if he hasn't risen, we're pitiful that we would come in and out of these buildings every week. That we'd stand in these rooms together and lift our hands and sing, hallelujah, we love you. He's dead. Who are you singing to? Who are you praising? What are you feeling? <laughs> but do you really believe it? Or is that one of those areas of the Bible that doesn't touch you when the strings go around? That part's far from you. Hasn't become up close and personal. Hasn't become real. If it's not true, then it's not a big deal. But if it is true, it's the most important thing in all of the world. When's the last time you talked to somebody about it? 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says this. We shall also bear the image of that heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and when this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death, where is your sting? Where's your victory? This is the truth about the end for you and the truth about the end for me. But people all over the world struggle to believe it. I think we struggle to believe what the scientists say, too. We can act like we do, but we don't believe them. When they say we're going to find a wormhole and then we're going to tell you, hey, we found it. You can, how old do you want to be? We'll send you back. People don't believe that. What matters is the decision you make when you've been led to the cross now. Last week at work, 
talked to a guy that I've been working with for probably the last four or five years. He went home for the weekend, went motorcycle riding, got in an accident, and he's dead. You think he cares about the construction project he's been building for the last five years at the airport? Do you think he cares about Facebook? Do you think he cares about money? Do you think he cares about any of those things? We have to be focused on what matters most. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of a salvation? The answer is there for us. Here's the difference with God and his miraculous plan. He says he's willing to confirm it for us. I can make all kinds of promises to you guys today. The world can make all kinds of promises to you. You can make promises to each other. And we all know how that goes. <laughs> But man, if God says he has a promise, maybe we should listen. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, it says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. See, that triune God thing begins to make more and more sense when he says, Listen, you've got to put your faith in me. I came through that wormhole at a certain point. I died on the cross. Anybody behind and anybody ahead who puts their faith in me, they'll have eternal life. They'll be raised. They'll get a new body. They, everything you've ever desired is yours. If I say that enough, you might start to think maybe it's true. <laughs> and you might redirect your life. And you might begin to even regurgitate that. But in your heart, you know if you believe it or not. <laughs> Another one of my favorite scriptures, the Bible says, who knows the spirit of a man but the spirit that's in that man? You can lie to everybody, but you know what you really believe and you know what you really think. I love the fact that you don't have to depend on me. You don't have to depend on your friends. You don't have to depend on your family. God says, listen, what I'm telling you is true and I'll send my spirit as a guarantee. Something will be birthed inside of you and you will know for sure that you have eternity. We don't need a multiverse. <laughs> We just need to try you and God. We don't need somebody to make us believe that hopefully one day we find another universe out there. And when we do, whoever's alive at that time gets to go there. Too bad for the rest of you. We don't need that. We need a triune God who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and can come and live inside of us. I'm getting close here. Romans 8.24 says this, that we're saved in this hope. Hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I think most every Christian knows Romans 8, 28, but they don't know what it's connected to. Stuff happens to him. Oh, all things work to good for me because I'm a Christian. He loves me. <laughs> no, what it's saying is if you have the spirit of God alive inside of you and you have a hope that goes beyond this world and into the supernatural, then you'll be able to see this string and how it's working for your good. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, if you believe in the resurrection, if you believe God gave his only begotten son for us, what that scripture means is, if he did that, what do you mean he won't restore my marriage? What do you mean he won't take care of my kids? What do you mean he won't provide for me financially? You're telling me he'll come out of heaven, come through a wormhole, die on a cross, and give me eternal life, but he can't help me in the day-to-day -day stuff of this world? How can he not freely give me all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. He's even at the right hand of God. He makes intercession for us. Do we believe that this morning? When you're going through it, do you picture, you, you heard what Stephen said, right? He's going through it. He's literally being stoned. You know what he says? He says, I look up. I see the heavens open, and I see Jesus at the right hand of the Father while he's being stoned. When you're going through it, do you believe that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you? Last few verses of this one says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword? It's written... For your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor thing pre things present, nor things to come. See that paper folding on top of itself? He says, not the things present, folded over, or the things to come. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not height, nor depth, nor created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's this picture, and I'm trying to, to, <laughs> to paint it for, this, for us this morning, about who God is and who he's always been, where you are on the timeline, what he's done in the past to provide for us in the present, and how it's all connected in this book here, and how he's offering it to us. I'm going to close this morning at the cross. There's so much happening on the way to the cross, 700 years before the cross, after the cross. There's no way that we can get it all in in any service. But I want to read through this portion of the crucifixion and just focus on one part I think is often overlooked, but I think it brings everything together this morning for us. This is uh, Jesus on the cross. It says, Matthew 27, 27, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium. They gathered a whole garrison around him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, 
And him they compelled to bear his cross. Couldn't even carry his cross anymore. When they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments. They cast lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand, and another on the left. And those who passed by, they blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest, this is the church, also mocking with the scribes and the elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe him. The one thing he couldn't do to save us is the one thing the church is asking him to do. He said, I'm the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That's the moment, right? You guys remember that? When he says, God, why have you forsaken me? It's because the perfect holy one without sin, who was always connected to the father, when Vaughn's sins came upon him, the father had to turn his head. So there he is bearing the sin of the world on the cross, and he's alone to carry it by himself. And he says, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, offered it to him to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. Jesus wasn't killed. He laid down his life for us, right? It's one thing to be murdered. It's not like he, he jumped in front of a, a bullet for you in a moment of, like, heroism, right? <laughs> They took his life. No, it says that he had his life in him. The Bible says, he, Jesus says, I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to take it up again. Nobody took Jesus' life. He laid it down for me. He laid it down for you. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and then he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earthquake, the rock split, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and they appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. This is string theory. Only verses I want to focus on are those verses where it says the earthquakes and the bodies of saints come out of their graves and start walking around the city. This is one of those areas of scripture where we're like, no, I'm just not even going to read that part. I'm not even going to focus on it because I don't understand it. Those who had died before Jesus came to die for their sins could not be raised. The sins have to be paid for. They believed in him, but the sins have to be paid for. They're resurrected 
right there on the spot, they come out of the grave and they start walking around the city. It's as if the past and the present and the future, they just all collide and life comes bursting through death. Right? He's on the cross, he's about to die, and all of a sudden, it's like string theory. Everything from eternity past with eternity future is folded on top of each other, right? And what happens? Life just consumes death to the point where bodies come out of the grave and start walking around. There's no theory for that. There's no equation for that. There's no theologian who can really tell you what that means. You have to have the Spirit of God alive inside of you to understand it. Colossians 2.20 says, If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? What that means is this. If you came to the cross and you died with Christ and you're raised in a newness of life and you now live on a plane that's not an earthly plane, why do you only accept the earthly way of things happening? You should be focusing on the supernatural where things like this can happen. Jesus is out of this world. <laughs> He's beyond this world. Most of us, when we read that, we picture zombies. I don't know about you guys, but we picture like Jesus dies and all these like decrepit old things come out. I love Jesus. <laughs> That's not the picture, church. The picture is this. Imagine those bodies have been there God knows how long, and they're raised in perfection at the perfect age. You know, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve and that they were created. Whatever the perfect age is, they were full grown. They didn't, God didn't create babies and then be their dad and like walk them around. Full grown, perfect humans at the perfect age. When Jesus gets resurrected, he has this resurrected body. I believe personally that those that came out of the graves, many of their friends and family probably didn't recognize them because they went back to the perfect age. Like it was temporary. <laughs> But it was a sign that everything that, like those scientists talk about, they could talk about it, but I promise you this, they can give you no sign. They can give you no confirmation. It doesn't matter how long you wait, they won't be able to do it, because it's just not real. Jesus says, everything that I've talked about <laughs> is true, and I'm giving you signs. Historians who are not Christians testify to these things as happening in history, they're real. The point is that if heaven touches earth, if sin is met with forgiveness, if death is overcome by life, there has to be resurrection. That's what awaits all of us who believe. It doesn't matter if you're out riding a motorcycle this weekend. There's going to come a time where you breathe your last. It doesn't matter if you make it to 100. There's going to come a time where you breathe your last. And all that will matter is what happened when you were led to the cross what decision you made when you found yourself at the feet of the cross. What you decided to put your faith in. Isaiah, would you come? What you decided to do with the stories that you heard. When that thread goes all throughout the room, are you ducking under it? <laughs> are those titles that, those rings that we handed out, Genesis, Exodus, Judges, Joshua, are those just names that you don't know what they represent or the stories that they tell? Why they tell those stories? <clears throat> you know, this last couple of weeks, I'll be honest with you, I've been getting frustrated about Easter. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I've been getting frustrated for two reasons. I don't believe that we should turn it into this huge celebration 
for all kinds of people that we hope come to church on Easter Sunday because I believe that every Sunday should be a huge celebration for people that I hope come to church. You know, I'm looking, I can't, I'm like the rest of you, I'm on Facebook and it's this program and that program and this banner, you drive down the streets, Easter service, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m., you know what I mean? It's like, good Lord, if it's true, it's true all year long. If he's risen, it's the best news that anybody's ever heard. We should be living this out daily. It should be like a fire in our bones that we cannot keep. We have to talk to people about it. So I'm angry that we wait for a holiday. And then on the flip side, I'm angry (laughs) because we know the world we live in and people will come and the people who know the truth are not focused on it. We're not inviting, we're not praying for people. A Couple days before Easter, the real Easter, the first time, you know what Jesus did? He's like, we gotta go have a prayer meeting. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed because Jesus understood this is string theory. What I'm about to do is going to affect everything from the past and everything from the future. And if we don't pray, people are gonna miss it. How many of you have your, your gift? If you got your red string, put it in your hand. Hold on to it for a second. When you've got it in your hand, look at all that ruffling. <laughs> you already lost the string. When you've got it in your hand, go ahead and stand with me for just a minute. So earlier I told you that uh, this string is a reminder of the word of God and where it leads. That's only uh, half the truth about those strings. The rest of the story about that string is that it represents each of our lives before the cross. It leads us to the cross, but until you actually make it there, That string is stained with your sins. The blood is on your hands. Right here, right now, I believe that the only thing God is concerned with is the decision that each of us are making about the cross. A lot of times we think about the church and we think about what God wants us to do and what ministry we need to do and how we need to talk to people and how we need to start Bible studies and we need worship and we need kids programs and we need all this kind of stuff. God says, I'm just trying to get people to the cross. (laughs) That's all I care about. I want them to get to the cross and then they've got to make a decision. Holding that there in your hands, let's bow our heads. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray with you. I want to ask you a question though. Between you and the Lord, you know, we talk about this realm. It's not a multiverse, but we do serve a triune God. The Bible tells us that right now, Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession on our behalf. He's thinking about us. He's praying for us. The enemy is is telling lies about us and even telling the truth about who we've been. And there's Jesus in the ear of the Father saying, 
But there's more to the story. There's more to the story. There's more to the story. So with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, with that, that string in your hand, I want you to picture him just like Stephen did at the right hand of the Father. But his focus is on you this morning. I hope your focus is on him. Everybody here, it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter your life history, your life story. We all come from different backgrounds, from different places, different issue, issues going on in our lives right now. But we've all made it with the string to the cross. You're here. But the story of the Bible says that you can't just come to the cross. You have to go through the cross. Luke tells the story this way. He says, one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed Jesus, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Two people brought their strings to the cross, but only one went through the cross. He entered into eternal life. He entered into paradise that awaits all of us who call on Jesus as Lord. That man knew that he was going to be judged, but he did not expect to meet Jesus on the cross that day. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you did not expect to meet Jesus. You did not expect to come face to face with the cross. Just like that man did not prepare for it, you don't have to prepare for it. You are where you are this morning. And you have this string in your hand. What this man did, he did three things. Number one, he acknowledged that he deserved to be judged. He said, look, I'm up here because of my deeds and I deserve it. The second thing he did is he acknowledged that Jesus had done nothing. He said, I'm up here because of my deeds. I deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing. This man is sinless. This man does not deserve to be judged. The last thing that he did, he called Jesus Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, for whatever reason, I know that you're the Lord, and I know that you're going to enter into a kingdom. I believe in resurrection. Just remember me. I deserve what I'm getting. I heard, the, I heard the kids up here during the play this morning. They said, how could you come in my place? I deserve my punishment and you've done nothing wrong. It's the same thing out of the mouth of babes, the Bible says. So here's the question I have for you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Between you and the Lord, I picture him at the right hand of the Father. He's folded time back and forth on top of it. And he's saying to the Father, this is the moment. This is the moment. If you're here and you would admit, just like this man on the cross, he said, I'm a sinner. But Jesus, I want you to be Lord. He didn't have to do anything right his whole life. All he had to do was make one good decision at the foot of the cross. All he had to do is say, I know who I am and I know who you are. Will you be my Lord? Will you remember me? If it wasn't for this scripture, 
We'd all be telling each other, you've got to be good and you've got to be perfect and you've got to serve God and you've got to live this way for a long time and you've got to get right before you come to God. But because of this scripture, we know that all we have to do is follow that string to the cross and give our lives to Jesus. Then he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, God has prepared you for this very thing and he will give you his spirit as a guarantee. So here's the question, and the only one that matters, it matters for all those who are going to keep living. It mattered for those who had passed away, like I told you, a friend of mine on a motorcycle just a few days ago. This is the only question that really matters. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want to follow that string all the way to the foot of the cross and say, I deserve to be punished? But if you died for my sins and you resurrected, I want to receive that this morning. If that's you, the heads are bowed, the eyes are closed, you have your string in your hand, you feel the Lord, not me, but you feel God telling you today is your day. Would you just raise your hand so that I can see you? You didn't come into this place. I mean, I see you back there, brother. Anybody else? Today's your day. I got to make the decision about what the cross means to me, not friends, not family, not tomorrow, not next year, today. I'm at the feet of the cross. I wasn't prepared for it, but today's my day. Jesus, I choose you. Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Hallelujah. We thank you for our brother. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Before we move on, anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So here's what I want to do. And we don't usually call people out like that. But I'm going to today because Jesus deserves it. Gary, would you bring him up here with you? Let's give him a hand, giving his life to the Lord. So, so young man, here's, here's what the Bible says. <laughs> There's two that came to the cross. They both had the same opportunity, but only one of them took it. In the book of Joshua... He says to this woman named Rahab, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a scarlet thread. (laughs) He says, here's what you have to do, though. You have to hang it in your window. If you hang it in your window, when God comes to judge this city and overthrow this city, you will be saved. But if you don't do that with this scarlet thread, you'll be destroyed like everybody else. You have a scarlet thread. Matter of fact, can I see it? I don't want all your stuff. I just want half of it. So the decision that you made today, it's the best decision you've ever made. Please believe me, man. We're all going to look back on this day with great joy. So what we do, just like Rahab, that that story in Joshua (laughs) is part of this long chain that always leads to the cross. It was for you. It was for today. Same way she had to, to hang that in her window so that everybody could see when they came into that city. Oh, she, she's covered by the scarlet thread. She's covered by the blood. That's what we're going to do with yours. Stay right there where you are, young man. But I got a new gift for you. So this one here. 
when you don't stay on your side of the cross of Jesus and you don't let other people determine what decision you're going to make about the cross, Jesus looked at both of them and they both had the same opportunity, but only one said, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Not us. Not what happened here. Not the whole city. Lord, remember me. Be my God. Help me. And he said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Think about that for a second with string theory. So many had come before him. So many of us have come after that man. But Jesus was able to say to him, I'm outside of time. I'm outside of space. I'm outside of matter. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. He wouldn't even raise for two more days. So Jesus says, if you'll give me, here you go, young man. If you'll give me your sin, if you'll give me your lies, if you'll give me your betrayal, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you forgiveness for everything that you've ever done. I'll let you start over. I'm not going to bleach this. I'm not going to make this better. I'm not going to make you feel better about this. You're going to be born again. I'm going to give you a whole new life. And it can never be taken from you. So here's what we're going to do. The same way that we stretch out our hands and we pray over these kids because we believe if we're filled with the Spirit of God that we can impart things into our children. That's what we're going to do for you because you're a child of God, man. Amen. You're born again. Your old life is over and your new life is just beginning. And listen, before we even pray for you, it can never be taken from you. It doesn't matter what you do from now on. It doesn't matter any sins that you commit. Jesus has folded time on top of itself. He knows everything you're going to do next year, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. He already knows you cannot surprise him. What he's giving you, he gives it to you, understanding everything that you've ever done and already forgiving you for it. So I'm going to ask you, just lay down the red one, hold on to that white one. And if you're filled with the spirit in this place, would you stretch your hands out towards Jonathan? Amen. I just feel compelled. Before we pray for him, are there any sinners on the other cross thinking to yourself right now, I, I made the wrong decision. <laughs> I should have made him Lord. Before we pray for him, if you want to be prayed for too and you want today to be your day, you want to give your life to the Lord, he knows your heart, but you got to make him Lord. If there's anybody right now, just make sure I know so that we can pray for you. You want to give your life to the Lord. We're going to pray for him. We want to pray for you too. Anybody else right now? Right now, anybody? Amen. Amen. Stretch our hands out. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for what you've said about him, Lord God. We thank you that there was a time where he turned his face from you. There was a time where he knew about you. There was a time, Lord God, where that, that thread came right up against him, Lord. But it never impacted him enough to change him. It never impacted him enough to make you Lord. We thank you that today is his day. We ask that you would send your spirit, not because we want you to, but because you said that you would, to give him confirmation that what he has, nothing can separate him from that, Lord God. Not height nor depth, not death nor life, 
not things present or things to come. The salvation that he has in you, it cannot be stripped from him because you hold it in your hands. Jesus, you said to the Father, all those that he gave to you, you've lost none. We don't have to worry about being lost. We don't have to worry about getting out of your hands. You will hold on to us, Lord. Hold on to this young man. Give him a future and a destiny and a hope, Lord God. We thank you that he was bold enough to take a step when so many of us had opportunities that we didn't take, Lord. Pour out your love in his life. Change him and transform him. Let us be witnesses to your power, Lord. The same way that when you died on the cross, bodies literally came out of the grave. We see one here this morning coming out of the grave and being raised in newness of life, God. We can't say that we can't see you, Lord. We thank you this morning for him. Have your way in his life. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you yours. I want to give you yours, man. Everybody else is going home with, with some red ones, man. You get yours. Hey, man. Bless you, bro. Congratulations, man. Bless you. So... Here's the last thing we're going to do, guys. We're about to sing one song, and I'm going to give you a chance just to pray, see the Lord at the right hand of the Father. Then we're going to do baptisms and communion. We're not going to pray uh, again over the communion. We're going to have our baptisms, and we're going to uh, just go right into communion. But here's what I want to do during this one song. <clears throat> For the Christians, you're already here, and you're already at church because you're a Christian, and you believe already. But if you're here this morning... And you've kind of lost some of that passion for God. If you're here this morning and you uh, maybe feel like God's not really the center of your life. He's important to you, but he's off to the side. He's a secondary thought. He's kind of like, man, don't forget about him, but we're going on in another direction. And maybe today you would say, man, I can't forget about the cross. I really want to feel that again, that power of the Lord where, where bodies come out of graves, where the dead are raised, where the blind see, where the lame walk, where the deaf hear. Like, that's who he is. It says if, if he gave his son and he raised from the dead, how can he not freely give us all things? But let's make him the sinner. If, if that's you this morning during this song, what I want to give you is the same thing that that young man got. You've already got one. <laughs> But there's gifts here, a reminder for you that you've been washed as white as snow, but, but that red one that led you to the cross, you've taken your white one and God knows where you are. You're saved. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I want you to picture yourself if you would come and get one, taking that white thread and finding your way back to the cross. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like out of your drama, out of your sickness, out of your anger, out of your frustration, out of your fatigue, but you got to come back to the cross. God says this, listen, I'm here and I'm waiting on you, but if you want to stay out there, you can stay with your stuff. If you want to come to me, I've got nothing but healing for you. Amen. And there's no fear and there's no condemnation. You know how, like with the parents, when the kids did the thing, like you want to come to your parents, but you know you're going to get that I told you so. You know you might get whooped before you get that hug. It's not like that with God. That's right, he says, just come to me. There's no fear. There's no condemnation. It's a throne of mercy and it's a throne of grace. But I'm telling you this this morning. You can't get it out there. 
It's only at the feet of the cross. So here's the basket. If you want it, we're going to sing this song and you can come and get it. But we're going to be praying for you and then we're going to pray over those who are getting baptized. They're going to come right now too. So you got five minutes. If you want it, it's there for you. Have your way, Lord. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.